Praise God. I mean, I'm glad to be here today. Well, that's a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm glad to be here today. This is one of my families. I got kids all over the nation, literally and figuratively. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, wow. Praise and worship team. Thank you, guys. As always, as always, I love the addition of the violin. Wow, that's such a, a beautiful instrument uh, in the hands of an anointed, skilled musician. My grandson's learning to play. He's not quite skilled. Need I say more? <laughs> The first time I went to a concert a couple of years ago, first year in the orchestra, uh, my daughter and her family live in Colorado, getting to suffer for Jesus, 69 degrees of high, <coughs> and uh, we went to the concert, and this is, I guess, fourth graders, fourth and fifth grade, you can imagine. I don't think they had any child progenies <laughs> in their orchestra. And my wife and I sat up in the stands, and I think we almost broke each other's hand. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Oh, praise God. You know, that's a little bit like the body of Christ. We're all at different places, different junctures different levels of maturity in the kingdom but the one thing about the king he can take your song and no matter how out of tune it is no matter how out of tune it is when you play your instrument if you'll just keep playing he'll keep fine tuning and before it's all said and done you'll be making a sound in the earth that penetrates the powers of darkness and releases captives into the glorious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So keep playing. Now these guys, these are these guys are good. I'm not talking about them, okay? And I'm not talking about you singing a solo or playing an instrument as far as musical. I'm talking about playing in the gifting of God He's placed in your life. Uh, is the Chuck Gerard guy here today? Chuck Gerard guy. That's him right there. That's Ray. I didn't realize that was Ray. We're from that generation, aren't we, brother? Lay your burden down. Lay your burden down. Take your burden to the cross and lay it down. Heard that song decades ago touched my heart then God had me revisit that song back in February and it restored my heart I was able to take a burden that I didn't think I could let go and lay it at the cross Whew. if you're carrying something today pastor's already shared that if you're carrying something today there is one let me say this first. He's not designed you to carry it. 
you weren't designed to carry the burdens of the world. You were designed to carry the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden wasn't a burden. The Garden of Eden was pure delight. He's designed you to carry his garden. And the Garden of Eden, I believe, today in the earth is his presence. If you're carrying something besides that, take your burden to the cross. He's more than capable. He's more than willing to take it so you don't have to carry it. Do I have an altar call right now? I believe I have some things I'm supposed to share today. Uh, thank you guys for having me come back. I always think, you know, Lord, why, why am I coming back? Because y'all have so many able ministers in this house that are very powerful and gifting and anointing. Uh, but I accept my assignment, and I thrill at the assignment I have in this house. Uh, Pastors Brett and Lisa, I'm so excited for you guys. When I first heard this news uh, through my dear friends, the Lunas, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what I said, but I know it was something like, I can't tell you how excited I am. Probably that's a pretty close quote right there. Uh, haven't been around uh, you guys very much, but the last time I was here, and I, I told Raleen this, we were talking a couple of weeks ago or so, last time I was here, and she shared the transition that was taking place, and you stepping into a, a, a pastoral role that we can, I, you, know, you, you guys are unique, I will say that about you, so I want to be careful with my verbiage, that even though I would call you a lead pastor or a senior pastor, it's mixed with other ministry gifts of eldership and things like that to where we're moving together, not just one person on point, if I can say it like that and be safe. Um, but, but there's always a place where the buck stops. You know, architectural firm, 30 or so employees, you, they can run through the chain from the bottom all the way to the next in line, but when it comes to push comes to shove, they're going to want to talk to the guy who owns the place. Well, you don't own the place, I understand that, but, but, but the buck will stop, you know, with you. And, and I was so thrilled because the last time I was here uh, a few months ago, uh, uh, you shared some at the Tuesday night Bible study. And, and I thought, Lord, there's pastor all over this guy. <laughs> Up until then, I didn't know it because I hadn't been around you enough. I hadn't even heard you in the pulpit. And that night, it just hit me. There's pastor all over this guy. And to see how God so swiftly and strategically, he, he was moving it that way all along. But when the moment arose, it moved quickly. Because where you guys are going it's going, to be a, it's going to be full steam ahead. It's going to be fast. You're not going to be uh, riding around on a bicycle. You're going to be on the biggest Harley you can find. <laughs> fast and, and, and uh, effective. Praise God. I want to be careful. Uh, you know, I, I know I've got a time limit here simply because of the structure y'all are in. I'm used to preaching an hour and a half or so. I'll, I'll do my best to curtail that a little bit today. But, uh, you know, the atmosphere 
my pastor had a minister's conference, his annual minister's conference a few weeks ago. And y'all have to be careful with me. I may get loud today before it's all over because I was in youth camp a, a week and a half ago with 350 wild, on fire, pursuing God with all their heart teenagers. Uh, from the first start on Monday night, the kids just crammed the entire altar. You couldn't, even, you couldn't walk through the altar because they just crammed the front. And uh, it was like that every single service. Morning services, night services, afternoon, let them play a little bit. Uh, I do a school of the spirit every year. Uh, on Wednesday afternoon, it's from 2 to 5, and uh, that's tr strictly volunteer with these kids, and we have always anywhere from 60 to 100 kids uh, that skip swimming and skip the games and skip all that stuff that, you know, kids like to do on afternoons uh, at camp, and, and just pursuing being, being an available vessel for God. It's so ex incredibly exciting. So when I come out of that camp, I'm usually roaring like a lion. I'm trying to pull the reins back just a little bit on you guys so that you don't look like you've been riding around in a convertible at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> but uh, such a great time at camp. And, uh, but, but there's some things he wants to uh, administrate this morning, and I want to try to be as judicious as possible. Say, so why are you talking and won't you just jump into it? Because I'm just inquiring inside myself if there's anything else he wants me to do before we jump into the word. Won't you turn to Ephesians 4 while I'm still yakking? I'm real polished, y'all can tell. <laughs> Where's the young man who shared earlier? Oh, there he is. I like you. I like your rawness. I like your vulnerability. Oh, that's what I was going to say. My pastor, I got full circle there when I said that. <clears throat> I'll come back to you in a minute. Now, now how, how many of y'all like gumbo? Anybody like gumbo in here? If you don't like gumbo, you need deliverance. <laughs> we'll cast that thing out of you so we can. <laughs> uh, well, we, we well, might have rabbit gumbo by the time we get through today because I chase rabbits. <laughs> and we're going to get them, put them in the pot. And when they all come together, they make one flavor. I never thought of that before. That's a new one. Uh, pastors Conference a couple of weeks ago, probably about two, 250 pastors there uh, in the network that I'm connected with and blessed to be a part of. And uh, our, our, one of our keynote speakers was John Kilpatrick. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with John Kilpatrick. He is the pastor uh, at Pensacola at, uh, what was the church? Brownsville, Brownsville. Assembly of God, uh, back when they broke out in revival, um, however many years ago it was, many years ago, went, were in revival for five years, and uh, he spoke at our Wednesday night service, and he shared something on that Wednesday night service, he didn't preach long, he preached maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and the glory of God fell into place, and he's a, he's a man who has learned how to detect and sense the glory. There's two elements of the glory. There's the Shekinah of God, which is the visible splendor of his presence like they had when they dedicated to the temple and the priest could not stand. You know, sometimes people say, what's all this falling out stuff and all that? When, when super meets your natural, natural's going to give to the super. That's what that boils down to. And, and the supernatural presence of God was so intense and so powerful, visibly seen, that the priest could not stand to minister. 
the other aspect of the glory of God is not visible, but it's tangible. It's called the kabod. I may not be pronouncing that Hebraic word correctly, but that's my East Texas for it. The kabod. And the, the kabod is basically the weightiness of God. Yes, sir, I'll say that. Yars beginning to carry another level of a kabod. The weightiness of God. It's, it's tangible. Even people that don't know him, have never experienced him, uh, have never come into contact with him knowingly at least. I mean, it's, you come into contact with him when you breathe. But you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and we don't, we don't even realize that. Every person on this planet, whether they're a Muslim or whether they're a Buddhist or whether they're an atheist, they're coming into contact with the presence of God every time they draw a breath. And he's, he's given them that breath so they can be drawn to him. Ooh, wow, okay. Uh, but, but the kabod is the weightiness of God that you can sense in a way that is more intense than what maybe you're normally used to sensing. And, and what I want to encourage you with is as much as you're experiencing the presence of God, that weightiness of his presence, that you can, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a church like this. I grew up in a church where the only time we heard amen was at the end of the responsive reading. I gave it away right there for some of you because you grew up in that. <laughs> or at the end of the Apostles' Creed that we all quoted together. Uh, I'm not going to say it, but somebody, like I say, some of y'all filled in the blank. Uh, we, we didn't see any of this. And we sure didn't see any of this. And some of y'all are thinking, you don't need to dance anymore and you've danced already. That's okay. I'm going to dance for the Lord. And uh, I didn't grow up in this. And I went to a church. Uh, my best friend was Assembly of God. Back in those days, there weren't independent charismatic churches to speak of. I am going back a couple of years, about five years ago. No, 1973. And I had an encounter with God in this church, even though I didn't understand anything going on. I didn't understand this. I didn't understand. I sure didn't understand that. For those of you who don't understand that, that's called speaking in tongues. I like to call it spirit language. I'm not trying to scare you, just trying to let you know what I experienced in those moments but the one thing I could not deny when I left that first service I ever went to I felt God I had never felt God ever the only time I'd ever felt God was when I was 15 years old when I got born into the kingdom and I was so overwhelmed by him coming into my life that I cried for hours I was just absolutely overwhelmed the church I grew up in, I never heard a message on salvation. I never heard an altar call to receive Christ. But when I got in that church with my friend, I, I sensed the kabod, the weightiness. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. It's not what I'm teaching on today, but I really sense the Lord directed me to at least inject this for a few moments. What you, need, what you have to be, uh, I don't use that word. Yeah. What you have to be careful of is you can get acclimated to a level. 
my daughter lives uh, up in the mountains outside of Denver. And uh, anytime I go there, for the first three days, I'm acclimating. It takes longer than that, but the first three days, I'm walk 20 feet and <sighs> just having to do this because it's high enough altitude. It's probably 1,500 feet higher than Denver. And uh, air is very thin for somebody from down here. Uh, and, and I have to acclimate. Uh, the Lord gave me a message on it one time. Maybe he'll let, let me preach it here someday, but uh, it's called rarefied air. The higher you go, the, the rarer the air gets, gets thinner. But the thing that's, that's so wonderful about rarefied air is the higher you go in it, the further you can see and the sweeter the air gets. You get above the pollution. You get above the noise. And you can see for, when you get on those mountains, you can see for uh, 50 miles, 60 miles. You look at another mountain peak, and I've asked my daughter before, how far is that over there? And I'm thinking two or three miles. She said, that's about 50 miles away. Wow. You, you have rarefied air in this house. That, that's what I'm trying to share right now. But the thing is, you've not reached the top. See, that's, that's the issue. Are you going to settle at this level? Or are you going to try to, are you pursuing the, the mountaintop? Will it cost you something? Mm -hmm. It'll cost you you. <laughs> you die daily so more of him lives through you. What a way to live. Rebecca, can you, you know this. What a way to live. The more I die, the more he lives and the better it gets. But you start, you, you don't, don't get acclimated as a church family to the level you're in because there's more. Everybody say more. There's always more. I think I've shared this here before, but how many of y'all have never met me before? How many of y'all have never met me before? Just about like it is every time. About a third to a half of the folks. Hi, I'm Scott. <laughs> um, I was talking to the Lord one time, and, and, and I, knew, I mean, he knows my heart, so I might as well ask him the question. You know, I was beating around the bush, and I Father, I don't mean any disrespect by this, and I honor you, and please, if there's any dishonor in me, help me strip that out. And, and, and I finally just said, but you know what I'm thinking, so I might as well ask it. <laughs> Quit going through all this religious verbiage. Do the angels ever get tired of worshiping you? That's what I ask him. For how long they've been created, they've worshipped him. We think 24-7. Think billions or trillions of years. And they, they worship around the throne, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is filled with the glory of God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. Worthy of all glory and honor and exaltation. And they never stop crying that. And I said, Father, I can imagine maybe in my finite brain, maybe a million years. 
maybe two million years, but a billion years or a trillion years, however long angels have been created, because they are created beings, I just don't know when they were started. And we know they started before he fashioned us because I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Anyway, and he, he's, he, he didn't even hesitate. I said, Do I, said I mean no, no disrespect by it. And I realize you're God and who could ever get tired of God? I don't mind saying they're tired of you, but are they ever get tired of worshiping you? Do they ever just want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you? Oh, come on, y'all lighten up a little bit, okay? It's okay. And as soon as I stopped, immediately he responded. Sometimes he's not immediate, but this is one of those times he was immediate. He said, son, the reason they never stop worshiping me is because every time I move, even a degree, they see something new in me they've never seen before. And the reason I share that with you as a body of people is there's always more. I beg you, please don't settle for where you are. Please don't settle with your communion with him where you are. There's always more. It doesn't mean you have to take 10 hours out of the day and lie on your face in your bedroom. It just means you're always aware. Paul said, I pray without ceasing. How in the world can you do that? You're always aware. Because prayer is not a father, I'm just wanting to talk to you a little while right now. No, prayer is a continual conversation. Whether it's silent between you and him or whether it's verbalized out of your mouth and you need to do both. There's always more. Everybody say more. I love that word. And I think the last time I was here, I did minister on this part. Are you hungry? Because you'll never pursue more if you're not hungry. Did I preach that here? I know I did. It's in my notes. The Lord gave me that verbiage back in December when we were at our daughter's house. And I took about, told my wife, I said, give me 10 minutes because you could hear the buffalo running on the first floor. We're, on, we're in the basement. And you could hear the buffalo running on the first floor, four of them, three males and one female. And I told Ellen, I said, I, said, I just need about 10 or 15 minutes. Just give me 10 or 15 minutes. And I just stayed in the bedroom and just started praying. I said, Lord, you know, we're about to approach the new year, and... and uh, is there anything in particular you would like for me to emphasize this year? Uh, I don't have to have a new slogan, living free in 23. Woo! You know. <laughs> I'm not saying that's not a good slogan. You ought to be living free all the time. Why, why just lock it into one year? Should have lived free in 22. You definitely ought to be living free in 24. Freedom should be a continuing, expanding thing in our life, not a digressing thing. Anyway... Uh, I said, if there's something you'd like me to emphasize this year, I would be more than glad to do it. If not, we'll just stay with the course of what you've given me uh, in the past. And, and him immediately, here again, this was one of those times it was immediate. He said, preach this year. Tell my people everywhere you go this year, it's time for hunger to supersede hesitation. Now, that sounds like a pretty simple phrase until you start breaking it down. And then it gets real big real quick. It's time for hunger to supersede hesitation. The hesitation of fear, the hesitation of pride, the hesitation of, 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 of self-exaltation, the hesitation of, what, of, of busyness. 
all of us have to deal with a hesitation of some nature. The hesitation of our opinions. Opinions are a dime a dozen. What's the truth say? It's time for hunger to supersede hesitation. And, and the, the way we press into more and the way we climb the mountain is we stay hungry. We stay hungry. We stay hungry for the presence of God. I'm not saying we, you know, I like what you said. I think we had a little conversation concerning some of the things that he shared uh, this morning. Uh, it's real easy in ministry to start serving the ministry instead of serving the master of the ministry. It's so easy to do it. I've done it before. It's a brutal taskmaster. It's cruel. I'm not saying people are. People can be. But when we start serving the ministry, we've, we've replaced the God on our throne with the God of ministry instead of the God of the purpose of ministry. And... Uh, it's, it's important for us to stay hungry for Him. Not what we can do for Him. Not what He can do for us. Just desiring Him. Because the more you desire Him, the more He gives you His desires. And the more of His desires you get, the more you start flowing in the design of heaven for your life. And and. You, you continue to climb that mountain your entire life serving God. Such a, a thrilling way to live, a powerful way to live. And I'm not saying it's the easiest way to live because the easiest way to live is to float downstream. You don't even have to paddle. The current of the world will take you to the cesspool of the ocean. But when you paddle upstream... It's like walking up that mountain. It's hard to paddle upstream, but the more you get upstream, the better the water gets. Praise God. Everybody say more again. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm hungry for God. How about you? I know people don't like doing that, but I like to get them to do that anyway. Because you need to talk a little bit, so I'll quit maybe. Ephesians 4. I want to I share with you for a few minutes here. And all this ties together because, you know, we, we hear this verbiage called the fivefold. How many of y'all heard about the fivefold ministry before? Okay, I figured nearly everybody has. Um, we, we hear about all this kind of stuff, but if you, if you exact God's presence out of it, all you've got is a corporate, uh, corporate model. You're, you're no different. You know, it's really sad that the world has taken so many principles of leadership out of the Bible and infused it into their system, and it's produced success, and the church has just floundered when we should be the ones leading the way. And this fivefold arena of ministry is not designed as a hierarchy. It is designed as a tool of the kingdom to train everybody in their gifting so they can be released into the harvest and bring the harvest in. And I don't know if y'all realized it, but if you hadn't looked up lately, the harvest is there. And if you don't believe that, just turn on the news for about five minutes. Our world is a wreck. Society's in a wreck. It's in a tailspin of, of, of debauchery that almost boggles the mind, especially for somebody like me that's lived as many decades as I've had, and I've lived through Woodstock. 
what's going on now makes Woodstock look like a, 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 a monastery. I was trying to find the right word. And I'm not, I'm not mad at people that are indulging in those, you know, I, I may say hard words every now and then, but you'll get over it. I'm not, I'm not mad at people that are indulging in those perversions. I'm mad at the enemy that's led them into it. But what it shows me, here's why I know the harvest is white. It's not because just stuff's going on that's bad. It's because people have lost their identity. And any time a society loses its identity, if there's a remnant still in the land, something's going to begin to burn out of that remnant to draw them into a fire that purges them from the false and brings them into the real. That's why the Jesus revolution occurred. That's why the Chuck Gerards rose up on the scene and the Lonnie Frisbee and the Chuck Smiths, I think that was his name, they rose up on that scene in that time frame in that hour because my generation lost their compass. But thank God, God's not, God's not limited by us losing our compass when a remnant is still in the land that can still point to true north. And there's a remnant still in the land. One of them's called Fireworks Church. You're a remnant in the land. And if you'll continue to pursue God and pursue the more of His presence and pursue living in His glory and living in His presence and, and just demonstrating not only that you love Him but that He lives in you, then you will become a lighthouse, a, a better word, better word, much better word. You'll become a bonfire in this community in this region that those that are lost in their identity pursuing a counterfeit will begin to realize when they walk in this building this is where the real deal is. I've chased God through the drugs. I've chased God through the promiscuous relationships. I've, I've chased finding out who I am through all the wrong mechanisms and all of a sudden I come into an atmosphere where all of this stuff in my life that I see now is destroying me. I come into the presence of one I can sense really loves me regardless. And y'all present that. You have that kind of atmosphere and I'm just encouraging you to continue to pursue it. And the fivefold, the fivefold, I'm, that's what I'm going to minister on. I'm going to minister on two offices here for just a few minutes. The apostle and the pastor. Because you are in a different vein now than what, what you've been. You've looked at the elders, but now there's that person that we're looking to that is walking in that pastoral type function. Not that the elders didn't. But now it's a point man. That's a good way to say it. A point man. You know, I, I've, I've been around cattle a little bit. And there's usually one, one, it might be more than one, but I know there's at least one in a herd that when that cow starts that way, what happens? Every one of those, I don't care if they're going the wrong direction. Every one of those other stinking cows are going to follow that cow. <laughs> well, you got a point cow. Well, we got a point man. <laughs> yeah. Better in other words. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have too. I lived in South Louisiana. <laughs> Y'all might not know enough of the culture there to fill in that blank, and I'm not going to fill it in for you. <clears throat> I 
I'll say it, I guess I can say it like this. The new King James version for donkey. I mean the old King James version for donkey. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of you older heads know. Some of you younger ones, you've never even read the old King James. What's he talking about? Look it up later. But, but, but there's, there's such a, a, a dynamic of what God is beginning to put together in this house that is so strategic in its nature. And you're grasping it. You're getting a hold of it. You're moving forward in it. Just this one move was, was a big move for you guys, a big transition. And God had the person sitting here in this church for how long? How long have you been here in this church? Nine months. Had him here nine months, sitting before you, and he didn't even know it at the at the moment. But he began to God began to flip the pages. He began to flip the pages of, of where this house is going. And I believe he oh yes, sir, I'll say that. He went into some future pages and brought them into the present now. That we're not going to be four more years down the road or five more years down the road or ten more years down the road before we step into some of these things. But we're stepping into them now. Everybody say now. See, this is a now moment for the church. This is a now moment for families of believers. This is a now moment for you as an individual uh, walker in Christ. I was in Jackson, Mississippi a few weeks ago ministering for one of my spiritual sons. He looks just like me. He's 6'8 and a little dark. <laughs> I always take pictures with him. They'll want to take a picture. and I mean, he's up here and I'm down here. and I look like I... Stepped out of Clorox, and he looks like he's had more than a tan at the beach. And uh, and and I, I posted on Facebook. I say, my son looks just like me, doesn't he? <laughs> and, and I'm preaching uh, for Brandon and ministering for him. The motel I'm staying in, uh, the little receptionist that was there, uh, she was obviously having a bad day. They run out of towels at a Hampton Inn. They ran out of towels. Now, I, I can't figure that one out. I'm thinking, go down to Walmart, buy some more. But Hampton doesn't buy from Walmart. It's better than running out. Anyway, uh, they'd run out of towels. She's trying to find towels in the establishment, and things just aren't going well. And she's just frustrated big time. She didn't take it out on me. She was very kind. And I let her kind of vent a little bit. I said, you got some stuff going on here, don't you? She said, I just can't believe this, and yada, yada, yada. And let her vent a little bit. And she said, here's your room key and all that. I said, do you mind if I pray for you before I leave? She said, would you please? And I just took her by the hand. And I just, I don't even remember what I prayed. I said, Father, just help this lady today. She's having a tough day. And I just thank you just bathing her in your presence. Prayed a couple other things that were word of knowledge and operation. So you want to flow in the gifts? How many of you would like to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? Nobody. Okay, well, I won't talk about that then. How many would like to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? Well, you need to want to flow in them because 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love, earnestly desire. That word earnestly desire means to burn fervently for and intensely the gifts of the Spirit. Anyway, not what I'm teaching on today. That's one of those little rabbits. <clears throat> Put him in the gumbo. You just pray with people at work. Pray with them in the HEB. I won't use Walmart. <clears throat> That's my neck of the woods. <laughs> Robert gives me a hard time with HEB standards. <laughs> and and uh, 
But I, I prayed for her, and when I got through, tears were just running down her face. She said, I thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I said, you sense the presence of God on you, don't you? She said, yes, I do. It's so wonderful. Well, I walk in the next day, or the next night, I forget which, and the night clerk's there. And uh, she looks at me when I walk by. I just walk by, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm giving y'all some verbiage to utilize. You may not use the hey. That might be too Southeast Texas for you. You might just say, how are you doing today? Hello? Am I, am I talking to anybody in here that relates to what I'm saying? In, in other words, engage people. You have the presence of the Messiah living on the inside of you, and we walk right by them and don't even acknowledge they're alive. Engage, folks. Well, I don't, I'm running real tight on time. Just keep walking while you say, how are you? <laughs> if you're that tight on time. I'm nearly always tight on time to some degree. The Lord said, you need to slow down. You're way too busy. You're walking by your ministry. I learned that from, from John Maxwell. He pulled in one of his chief his executive pastor, one Sunday morning, I think Stan Toler, if I'm not mistaken, is who it was. I mean, this is in one of his books, so he, I mean, it's, it's obvious they had some communication about it. It was public knowledge. And John's in there talking to people and visiting with people for church, and, and Stan just walks in, goes straight to his office, doesn't say hi to anybody in the, in the room. And John's, John said, I just walked in right behind him, shut the door behind me, said, Stan, I thought we were here for ministry, something like that. It's been a long time since I read this. He said, that's what I'm getting ready for right now, Pastor. He said, no, you don't understand. You just walked by it. You just passed it. Wow. And for some of us, that's hard to engage because we're so corporate-minded and we're so project-oriented and, and we're used to getting something done. Touching a life is getting something done for eternity. Because I don't care how structured you are or how big your empire gets or how many people you have working under you. It doesn't matter. None of that's going to heaven. I'm not trying to get hard here, but, but here again, I'm still dealing from a raw position. Eternity became more important to me than it ever was before. A lot of this stuff is just stuff. When, when my sweetheart stepped into that realm back in February, all of a sudden I wasn't wanting to go to heaven more because she's there because Jesus is my motivation for going to heaven. But I realized, boy, this thing called eternity is real, and at any moment it can happen. And it's not that I'm afraid of that. I'm concerned about the ones that I didn't touch that I could have. See, that's why more is so important, because we can become more Jesus-minded than we do world-minded. Another way to say it, we become more eternally-minded than we are temporary-minded. And that's, that's vital if we're going to make an impact. Not that you don't do your job. You should be the best. If you, own, if you own the company, you should have one of the best companies in the San Antonio region. If you work for somebody, you should be one of the best workers in the place, because that's a part of your witness. 
But I walk in this next night, and another lady's there. And I just walked by her and said, hi, how are you doing? And she said, you're that guy that prayed for whatever the other lady's name was. I'm going to say Doris just for a point of reference. You're the man that prayed for Doris the other night, aren't you? Am I wearing a cap that says I prayed for Doris? I said, yeah, I am. She said, she was so touched by that. And then this lady starts to unload. Boy, did she have some history. She had an ex-husband who was being prosecuted for murder of his second girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she had some bruises, literally, from her past. And God ministered to her and just touched her. I probably talked to her a lot longer than I did that other lady. Of course, it was 11 o'clock at night. Might have been 12 by then. Might have been actually 1. Because those services with Brandon, we, we, we were there for a while. And uh, got in pretty late. And I'm wrung out. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to go to my room and vegetate. Drink my chais. I carry them with me. I'm prepared. I'm like a Boy Scout. Be prepared. But, but you know what I found about the anointing? It's inexhaustible because its resource is eternal. Now, the vessel can wear out. I understand that. Uh, John Kilpatrick said this. might help some of you preachers, you baby preachers and you preachers that are a little more experienced. He said, he said you rest in the glory. You work in the anointing. I thought that's really a good analogy. Because the anointing is where ministry is flowing through you. The glory is where ministry is coming to you. Oh, wow. Anyway, that's another rabbit in the gumbo. Y'all doing okay? I hope I'm making sense. I'm going to tie it together here in just a second. If I get another chance to come back in a few months, then what I don't finish, I can finish then. Wind up praying over this lady, ministering to her. She just wept. The harvest is there, guys. Every time you go through a cash register, every time you have a waiter or a waitress, people around the coffee room, well, we can't, we can't minister at work. Really? Ask God to give you an imagination to touch them in ways that they don't even realize you minister to them. Jesus was a master at it. Well, the master lives in us, so that means we can be a master at that as well. Okay, I'm going to read the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, I could read the whole chapter, but we won't. And he himself, the reference for the he here is found in the preceding verses, which is actually talking about uh, Jesus himself. And he himself gave some. Everybody say some. In other words, not everybody walks in these gifts. Everyone in the body of Christ has a gift. Romans 12 gives us a lift list of the motive gifts or the creational gifts, foundational gifts, 
everybody functioning in, in, is in at least one of them primarily and possibly others are attached as well. But with this one, this is select people because not everybody needs to be in the fivefold. And here again, I'm going to say this, and it has to be said because we've been so religiously brainwashed in our, in our culture of Christianity, it doesn't mean that me being an apostle is better than you with the gifting he's placed in you. It's just different. Hello? How many of you are good, pretty decent carpenters? Anybody? No takers. Okay. How many of you are accountants? One taker. How many of you have architects? Yeah, I knew I'd get one there. Welders in the building? Oh, teachers. One. How many of y'all don't work? <laughs> well, you don't want to turn me loose in your accounting computer. You don't want to turn me loose on your architectural computer. I don't even know how to turn it on, let alone use it. Your, your giftings are different, but they're not better. See, our society has a big issue with that. And boy, it really, really starts stinking up the atmosphere when it comes down to wealth. And thank God, in this house, you don't have it. But there's some churches you go into, the way I'm dressed right now, they wouldn't hardly let me through the door because I'm not proper enough to even hardly come in, let alone preach that day. I think I look pretty snazzy. <laughs> Going a little retro here with the, you, you remember the, Ray, you remember this day, don't you? Yeah, I bought this at a, at a Dillard's. <laughs> Just to tell you how fanciful I am. <laughs> if my wife was sitting on the front row, she'd be going, So I guess she's still sitting on the front row of my mind, so I'm seeing her do that. <laughs> but you know, you know, some of y'all, some of y'all have accumulated a, a, a blessing in wealth. It's a blessing in wealth to you. It's a curse to those that don't know how to use it. And you're, you've been around wealthy people before that they like to let everybody know they were wealthy. I, I got real tickled one time. Uh, lady it used to take care of me a lot because I was a handful. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a very, very busy one. I was a rat. I mean, I was a ball, I was a ball to be around, but you had to have a lot of energy to keep up. And uh, my mother was 42 when I was born. I had no brothers at home. They'd already moved out. So, you know, I had the house to myself. And a lady in our church kept me a lot. They had no children. Uh, they were up in age. And uh, she kept me a lot. And, uh, <laughs> uh, poor thing, she's in heaven now. I guess I helped get her there. <sighs> yeah, and now, now I've got to find out where I was going with my story about me being a, a little busybody. What was I talking about? Oh, wealth. Yeah, there I am. Uh, auntie. That's what I called her, Auntie. She wasn't an aunt, but I called her that. Her, her brother was a very wealthy lawyer over around Silsby, Texas. And when he went to the bank, he wore overalls and cowboy boots. And, and a teller one day didn't even want to wait on him. They didn't know who he was. And 
when he, when he did what his business was at the teller window and he left the building, the teller started talking to a manager or something like that. Said, Can you believe that old man? He's dressed like he is. And man, I can't even believe, yada, 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 yada. And the manager looked at her and said, You need to understand something. That's one of the wealthiest men in our city. Wealth doesn't make the man, the man makes the wealth. When wealth makes the man, wealth is controlling him or her. Anyway, the fivefold, where you're not brought that out, is because the fivefold offices aren't any better than any other offices. They're just different. They have a purpose. Let's read that. I'll get a little further. Read more than one. Oh, I haven't read this scripture yet. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, we'll interject this real quick. Some of you have grown up in denominational settings to where they eliminate the first two. I cannot find that in Scripture. I should have got a better amen than that. I must have stepped on a toe or two. Not trying to step on toes, just trying to uh, bring a little clarity. What are their purposes? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. The Amplified, I'm going to insert the Amplified version right here. That they should do the work of the ministry. For the equipping of the saints. Because sometimes we'll read that and say, for the equipping of the saints, and we put a comma there, which there isn't one, for the work of the ministry. And we think, the, we think he's supposed to, of course, y'all don't have grass to cut because y'all lease the building. The yard doesn't belong to you. But if you own the building and you had grass to cut, well, the, the pastor's supposed to cut the grass. I can't find that in the Bible. The pastor is supposed to equip the body to do the work of the ministry, which is more than cut grass. The pastor's position is in a house so that you can be released in the gifting God placed inside you with a maturity level that can have a greater impact. His job is not to circumvent you. His job is to release you. To help you become all that God has put inside you. As you walk as a disciple of Christ. Now, I'm not going to say he doesn't need to visit people maybe in the hospital. But you know what? The better thing to do is when you start running a thousand people. Well, we don't want to be that big. Well, what if God has you go that big? We want family setting. That's what pastors will do. This pastor will do that. It'll be like a family if you got 5,000. God's already given him tools to keep that focus very steady in the body. And some of y'all got, got some of y'all check. Why well, I don't believe we'll get that big. Well, that's not the issue. The issue. I'm trying to make a point. If you have a church of five thousand people, if he's going to do all the hospital ministry, that's all he's going to do. He won't have time to do anything else because he'll be running down to the medical center every day, spending eight hours a day just seeing everybody that's down at the medical center out of a five thousand member church. Hello. So what, what's he going to do? As a pastor, he's going to teach people how to go and minister to folks that are in the hospital. 
and they have an affinity toward that already, so they're getting released in their gifting, and everybody in the body is contributing. Wow. What a, what a God to think of this like he does. For the equipping of the saints, that they should do the work of the ministry for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Now, now let me give you a, a two-point definition of that word equipping. It's actually in a footnote in my Bible, and I'll just read it. Number one, it is, it is a recovered wholeness. Equipping means a recovered wholeness as when a broken limb is set in men's. In other words, the fivefold directive from the Holy Spirit is to help put you together. Now, we're not, we're not God in that, but we're, we're helping to set the bone, to get the joint back in place, to help you find your niche, where you fit, that you're not trying to stick the ear on the big toe. That would be really awkward. But you, you put that ear where it belongs to where it can hear, and you put that finger, those fingers where they belong to where they can work, and you put the feet where they belong to where you can walk where you need to get to. All those elements of the body of Christ with all the giftings, which now I want to turn to Romans 12 and just give you those that are there, but you can do that on your own time. Starts in verse 3 and runs through verse 5, if I'm not mistaken. All of those giftings work to, working together do, do what's coming up next. Let me read. Did I, oh, I didn't give you the second function of equipping. It means a discovered function, which I, I did, I guess. A discovered function as when a physical member is properly operating. If I were to ask you this, I'm not, I'm not asking you this to raise your hand. Because I won't put you on the spot. If you, if you knew what your function was in the body of Christ, if you knew what God had put in you in giftings and what call he's placed on your life, because he has a call, a call on your life, but he's placed gifts in you so you can fulfill that call. If, if I ask you to raise your hand that you are almost completely certain you know what that gifting is in you. Could you raise your hand? And I dare say that there might be at least a third of you, if not a half of you, that wouldn't raise your hand because you're not sure. There's, uh, that's, not a, uh, that's not a criticism. It just means you've never learned. That's part of his job. That's why he wants to get with you and visit with you and spend some time with you. Because in that moment, it's not what you just say, it's what he begins to pick up. Because that pastoral gifting is a fathering anointing. And fathers recognize in their children the gifts they have in them that, that are placed in their life, whether it be from God or it's just natural inclinations. Fathers, good fathers recognize what their children have in them and work for helping their children to become what they see without making them become that, without making little Johnny play baseball because you were sorry at baseball and you think he's going to play in the major leagues, okay? Now, now, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about you really sense the giftings in your child. You want your child to be successful, so you work to help pull those giftings out. That's what a father does. And I'm pointing at him on purpose. That's what a lead, a real leader, a manager just manages gifts, but a leader pulls them out. A pastor pulls them out. 
A dictator smothers them. But a pastor, a real pastor, after God's own heart, pulls those giftings out. The eldership team has done this over the years since y'all started. There's no question about that. But, but what I want you to see in that five-fold arena, that's part of our gifting is to pull out what's in you so that you can become more than you ever dreamed you could be. And dear God, if we can get past this, I'm afraid they'll get better than me at it. I hope you do. I hope you supersede anything I've ever dreamed about doing in the gift God's placed in my life. Success is never success until it is successive. I stole that from the world, <laughs> but it's true in the spirit. I want to put my spiritual sons and daughters on my shoulders so they can see further than I can see and they can start where I leave. I had a friend of mine that went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, dear, dear friend of mine, pastored over in Liberty, Texas, and uh, at his homegoing service, I don't believe in funerals for people that go to heaven. Just my preference. I believe in celebration services. I may cry at them, but that's still a celebration because I know where they are. And uh, uh, at, at his celebration service, I, I don't remember a lot that I said. I mean, I had a few funny things I shared because I'd been on staff with him in a church for a number of years. And, uh, but I said, I said, you know, the thing about Mike that I admire probably more than anything about Mike is that Mike did not live for the moment. Mike lived for the moments he wouldn't be here. What are you living for? What are you living for? Are you living for the moment or the moment you're not going to be here? Let me at least finish reading this. Till we all come, verse, verse uh, 13. Well, let me, let me start back in 12, get the continuity of thought here. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness. Whew, what a phrase. The fullness of Christ. Mm. That perfect word there where it says perfect man means a whole or a mature man. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, everybody say whole body. You, you know, this is, he has a whole body. He doesn't, have, he, he doesn't have his arm laying over here and his you know, head's over there somewhere. He has a whole body. from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. L listen to me carefully. If you're born again and you're a lover of Jesus, you have a supply to give. And, and in God's kingdom, it's not based on using you like the world does. In God's kingdom, it's based on releasing you so that 
the invaluable gift that's inside you that makes an eternal difference in people's lives is released into your atmosphere. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth. Another word for that word growth is increase. Causes growth and increase of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I didn't get to the point that I was hoping I'd get to. stop I will stop for it I'll honor the conditions the house is living under at this moment in time what, what I want to emphasize here the fivefold I'm putting this back here so I don't knock it over <clears throat> the fivefold its purpose is to help you discover all the things God's put in you some of that will come from the pulpit. Some of that will come from those dinners and those lunches. Some, it'll, some of it will come through times of corporate prayer. But the key is our job, and we fail if we don't get to do this, is to help you become everything God created you to be. And your beautiful self to become everything God created you to be. It's where literally your life becomes a living example of nothing missing and nothing broken. And there's some broken pieces in there right now. But the, but the Father, the real Father, the good Father, is here to heal them. Not just put them back together, but give you a new heart. Isn't that so wonderful? He loves you that much. He'd stop me right in the middle of where I need to go next to say that to you. Wow. And out of that healing comes the flower of his giftings. Sometimes even while being healed. See, I'm still in the process of being healed. And I surrender to that every day. He still lets the flower start to bloom. You don't have to wait till you're perfect. I got news for you. You're not going to get there on this side anyway. <laughs> All he needs is your yes because he's given you his best. And, and the flower of your life that he's planted the gifts inside you will touch so many people. You'll look back five years from now, start counting them up, the ones you can remember, and you just shake your head. God, I was a broken mess, but I just said yes, and look what you've done in five years. It'll blow your mind. That's a good thing. Father, I thank you for touching my sister, bringing wholeness to her brokenness, not putting the pieces back together, not using your super glue, giving her a new heart. 
Pete and her emotions. Yeah, I'll say that. Help her to learn to not let her emotions take the lead, but the spirit of life on the inside of her. Because if she's led by the spirit of life, the more she's led by the spirit of life, the emotions will just have to back off. They won't have a say-so. They won't, they won't charge her up when something happens and under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be charged up about that. Yeah. Oh, that's how good it is when he does it. Stuff that pushes your button now in five months won't push your button at all. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. I'll do better next time. I'm excited about the new journey for Fireworks Church. I'm excited for where you guys are heading. I'm thrilled at the growth that I sense in the atmosphere. Numbers and nickels don't matter a whole lot to me, but people being changed do, does. God likes numbers. He had a book called Numbers. But he doesn't want numbers because he'll look successful because God already knows he's a success. He's interested in numbers because he loves people. Decisions, decisions. What do I do? Oh, dear God. It seems like I walked into a fog when I walked into a room. But, daughter, I want you to know I'm clearing the way. You'll see the path. And you'll know it is my way. So just stay close to my heart. And I'll show you step by step. You'll know exactly. And I'm going to say this again. You'll know exactly what to do. And who's to go with you. Ooh. Through that room, the fog will part. And you'll come into the next level of what I want to impart. Hmm. That make any sense to you, sweetheart? Good. Pastor, if I could borrow you for a moment. I'm going to do this in less time than what I probably needed. If you could just stand right here facing me. Nope, I know, I know. Stand beside me. Some people have this apostle thing really, I'll use a proper term, messed up. They'll tell you this is where the apostle is. I'm not saying that's wrong in every situation, but that's not how this one operates. I don't walk in front of him. I walk with him. When I walk with him, I'm walking with every one of you. I'm not ahead of you. I'm beside you. Sometimes I want to kind of drop back and maybe give you a quick kick. Not you. <laughs> and what this function does, it covers him. It covers them. It covers your leadership team. And everywhere there's covering in leadership, there's covering for you. Protection. 
help. Open heaven. Oh, God, I can't tell you how vital that is, guys. That you live under an open heaven. That you never experienced what the prophet did when the heavens were as brass. There's something wrong with the heart when that happens. That might have happened in the Old Testament. That does not happen in the New Testament. God's heavens are wide open to us as long as we're pursuing. And I pledge to you to walk beside your pastor and to encourage him, to help him, to be a friend to him. I'd like to say I'd like to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That already belongs to another job description. It's a little above my pay grade. And 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 I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask the elders, the board, leaders in this house. I want y'all to come up real quick, if y'all don't mind. I'm I know I'm stretching a little bit, please forgive me. And stand no, not behind us. Stand on either side of us. I'm down here all by myself. <laughs> I said the board, didn't I? I don't know what all y'all structure is. Eric and Kelly, I know I need you up here. I need you up here. I want y'all to stand on my side over here, please. I, 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 I want to be careful. You point, if you know Martha, my word. Martha, what are you sitting there for? And Bertie. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a pretty strong comment right here. Not critical, but strong. If it wasn't for these two ladies right here, y'all wouldn't be where you are right now. Yeah, give them a hand. Martha has been praying for this. I know this because I know I've known her personally for decades. It sounds better than saying the years. She's been praying for this for probably 15 or 20 years. Okay, well, let me go back a few more then. Probably Bertie as well. I just don't, I've not talked to Bertie enough to know. I've, I have this lady right here. And they have, they're standing in the manifestation of what they've prayed for. I, I know there's others in here that I could say the same thing. I just don't know it. So please forgive me if I leave you out. Don't you dare get offended. Because when they're standing here, you're standing with them. Why don't you put your arm through mine? We're linked up, and you are with us. I would have everybody get up here at the same time. It just might get a little crowded. We're all linked up in this together. We all have a divine purpose individually. But we have a purpose that we'll never fulfill individually if we don't do it together. And we're going to be just like the Nike commercial. <laughs> Who said it? Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Open yourself up to become the flower God's making you on the inside. Take your place in the body so it can grow and increase in the fullness of his spirit. Everything in me wants to start pulling people up. And the spirit of God says, don't do it because you'll be here till 1 o'clock and they've got to be out of here before then. 
understand that. Oh, yeah, that's how I'm supposed to end it. God is so good. I get in moments like this, and I'm thinking, what do I do now? I know sometimes people look at ministers, and, boy, they flow so fluently and freely and get to altar call, and it's so seamless and all that kind of stuff, and they think, oh, you must have been telling them that for days. Well, I, the, he may do that for some of them, but for me, most of the time it's standing right here is where I get it. <laughs> I'm just being real vulnerable with you all right now. This is where I get instruction on the fly. This, this is the team and others I know that should be standing here leading you to the next mountaintop. And if y'all would honor me to allow this team just to lay hands on you and impart a blessing over you today. I believe the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, would be smiling at that and be very satisfied. So if y'all don't mind, I know this is strange, maybe. I know y'all have altar calls, so that's not a big deal. But this type of altar call may be a little different. You may say, well, I don't need prayer. I'm not asking you to come up for prayer. I'm asking you to come up for impartation. Because these gifts are equipped to release you into your next phase. They're here for that. Their success is when they see you succeed. Not when my vision comes to pass, not when his vision comes to pass, when your vision comes to pass. Praise God. So I'm just going to, is it okay to do this? Do I have a minute or two? We're not going to take all day. I want you to come up as there's room. Just come up to whoever's available unless you feel strongly led to go to one individual person and let this team release an impartation into your life. Can you do that? Why don't y'all come on up? I'm backing out. I'm not leaving. I'm just backing out because I believe they're supposed to do this right now. Brent, go ahead and lead us in worship.